Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. We cannot start this episode. We can absolutely not start this episode without thanking the following people who went to our Patreon.com and support the show. So thank you. Bill Dixon. Fangirly. Jack Connolly. Alice Kazanis. Derek Haynes. Melanie Harker. Dr. Jason Woods. Allison Keen. Battle Mat Fitness. Westbourne, East Bread. John Richard Helter II. Dave Trumbor III. Damn it, again. And the one and only Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, listeners out there, if you want to get on this list of super cool people, we'd love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U to see how you can support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the virtual world of Lyoko, I'm your co-host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, everyone's favorite artificial intelligence, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going there, bud? Ah, uh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't wait to get virtual with you. Ooh, artificial that, sound, with you. that sounds real, real bad. Bad? In like a good way, though? Yeah, because you and I grew up you know, at some point in the the nineties when we were we were like teens and virtual and like cyber stuff had a whole weird connotation that Oh I, yeah, it did. Yeah. Hey, ASL by the way. Oh, age sex location. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So creepy. Uh yeah, man, chat rooms. Where are they now? They're still here, but it's still creepy. Yeah, still super creepy. They have not gotten any better, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, since the heyday of the intranets, uh, which uh, I guess this buddy. cartoon tonight owes a lot to the internet in some weird way. There, there's a good portion of this that, so I, I remember at some point in school having to read a Ray Kurzweil book who's talking about, yeah. he, he, his official title is Futurist, and he's talking right. about the idea of how we came into being and he's positing sort of where the next generation of computers and computer processing is going to go in terms right. of quantum computing saying that quantum computers are going to be available by you know 2020 and at the rate that we're Whoa. going right now guys we're not gonna fulfill what his predictions were i think that's probably a good thing for some reasons though i'm taking a it course at the moment and we're talking about IT security and encryption and uh, hashing and all that stuff. And essentially, like everything I read, they're like, uh, we should be good until quantum computing is like a thing. And then we're in big trouble. Oh, yeah. So, probably a good thing. We're not quite there yet. As far <laughs> as we know, what the government doesn't tell you. I mean, to Ray Kurzweil's point, and, yep. and, uh, and a lot of people who have predicted things in the future technology-wise, us as human beings, not not... You know, no, no race, no class, no, you know, specific geography, but just as human beings, sometimes we do a really bad job of saying to ourselves, this is something that we need because it fulfills that need and it helps us out and we'll be better as a society. What ends up happening is we will create something as a result of a war and then afterwards think to ourselves, oh, you know what? It probably would be a really good idea if we use that radar thing to, uh, you know, figure out flight patterns for planes that we have that are on a domestic, uh, domestic pursuit. 
cross country. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that like that and like nuclear research went from like, hey, let's blow a crater in this thing to end this war, but oh, then it's also a a power source. How about that? That's right. crazy. Um, it's unfortunate, and we're going way off track, but that's fine. Well, I think it. Uh, I think it's it unfortunate all comes that like science and technology. I don't think any of it comes back to this show tonight. <laughs> Philosophically, maybe, sure. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate that all the scientific endeavors and pursuits, unfortunately, in this particular country, this is America, by the way, uh, in this country, most of our budget goes to defense spending. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of that research goes as well, or comes from, or grants from the DOD go to those research um, projects. And that's everything from militarized weapons and radar and IT, you know, and healthcare too. Yeah, how do we militarize healthcare? No, I'd be fine if I was weaponized. No, I mean being able to to quickly triage warfighters so that we're able to rehabilitate them in some case. Like a lot of that. Well, or just send them back in. I mean, yeah. To be fair, I mean honestly, that's we. I used to work for a uh, a biotech company that part of their job was to essentially develop a like rapidly rapid wound care wound healing system so essentially like a patch you could slap on and you could like walk it off essentially <laughs> stuff like that it would kind of like form up uh, form like a, a synthetic skin yeah good this is incredible i feel like we're getting your entire cv at the beginning of this one episode nobody Looking has for a job there folks so if anybody out there wants to hire <laughs> nobody if nobody wants to go to linkedin.com slash dave trumbor we could just talk about it right now on the show buddy we're closing this podcast down and this is becoming get dave a job podcast right now look here's what i want i want to be able to go to like a weird academy just like sit behind a computer screen all day maybe take like a secret entrance in a sewer tunnel on a skateboard and sit at a different computer all day and just like watch my friends hang out in virtual reality. Is that a job? And where can I sign up? Well, it definitely is a job. Can okay. help you to sign up. But first, we've been talking a lot about virtualization as well as also mm-hmm. cyber and some of the weird connotations. Guys, guess what? We have a sponsor this month. Speaking of cyber. Mm. Is it a sexy sponsor? <laughs> it is a sexy sponsor. And to learn nice. all about our sexy sponsor that we have for the month, we're going to throw this over to our good buddy, Bobby Anthem. Bobby, who's our sponsor? Tell us a little bit about it, friend. Hey, SMC listeners, Bobby Anthem here to tell you about our first sponsorship with Spunk Lube. Yeah, that's right, Spunk Lube. Look, we know you're listening to a podcast about cartoons, but let's be honest, you're not a kid anymore. So when you've got adult things going on, reach for Spunk Lube. Our SMC listeners have a chance to get lucky and win a free sample of Spunk Lube. But right now, everybody can get some of this special offer. Go to spunkloop.com and use the offer code SMC at checkout to get 10% off any order. That's spunkloop.com and use the code SMC for 10% off your order. Now, on with the show. I would just like to thank Bobby for pulling us out of that ramble that we were on. <laughs> it's always good to have, like, Bobby's like our anchor. He's our rock. He, he, he keeps us grounded, man. Yeah. We appreciate it. Wow. I mean... You know, we were going to just go off the rails in terms of being able to, to talk about LinkedIn, and this would have taken a weird, weird turn of events. But to your point, Dave, you wanted to find a weird academy that you could go to. Yeah, I've already applied to six of them while Bobby was telling us about our sponsor. So hopefully one of them will get back to me. I mean, that's that's a good 
that's a good plan at this point. Let me back that up. Hopefully one of them is legitimate and an actual thing and not some sort of scam that I just gave my bank account number to. We'll find out. Tune in next week. Hold on. I'm curious. You have like a, a yeah. barrel behind you that has like a fire that's lit in it, and I just see you crumbling up paper and throwing it into that barrel. But those oh, man, papers I got to keep the fire going. Well, those papers say your resume, Dave. What's going on here, friend? I made a lot of copies. Oh, jeez. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> well, hey, guess what? We're yeah. talking about a cartoon tonight. <laughs> we are talking about a cartoon tonight, and I put that on the resume. <laughs> oh, man. We are talking about a show called Code Lyoko. Why are we talking about Code Lyoko? Guess what? It is Listener Appreciation Month, and we are talking about it. We had our friend from Facebook, Andrew McLeod, talk about Code Lyoko. He had recommended this to us, and so hopefully you are listening, Andrew. Hopefully with the uh, a couple cartoons that, he, that Andrew has actually recommended to oh, us, yeah. including Monster by Mistake and The Raccoons. Andrew, <laughs> I still can't no. say The Raccoons. I can't say The, <laughs> the Raccoons. Yeah. Uh, but we also have Code Lyoko that was on here. He really wanted us to be able to to get a chance to watch this, so we are we're digging into it uh, tonight. I think that's why we maybe thought that this was a French Canadian production, but as far as we can tell, it is not not French Canadian. Yeah, it is. Well, if you are unfamiliar with the history of Code Lyoko, let's let's virtualize and download this into your brains right now. Yeah. Co- Lube it right through your ears. Yeah. Is that how it works? That's, uh, you know what? That's how the internet works. It's just a series Perfect. of lubed up tubes. Series of God. <laughs> of just pneumatic lubed up tubes, friend. Well, while I get that image out of my brain, please tell me the history of Code Lyoko. Non-stop them just going, just back oh. and forth. Oh. I know. So, Code Lyoko, the cartoon for tonight, is a French animated television series created by Thomas Romain and Tanya Palumbo. And produced by the Moon Scoop Group, which let's let's be honest, guys. If you're gonna come up with a, a name for a company, Moon Scoop Group is the best. <laughs> this is this is so unbelievably French. It, it, we can't can't imagine anything better. Also, the image and the graphic that they use looks like Harvest Moon. If anybody's familiar yes. from it from the SNES. So the series is presented in a 2D hand-drawn animation style, as well as also CGI. Code Lyoko began its first run with 95 episodes. So already, we are way past the 65 syndication mark. Oh, so yeah. I don't even know if they have that kind of qualification in France, but let's just... Well, the fact that we have it here makes it real easy to import over here and air on our local network. So Exactly. So these 95 episodes, they began in September of 2003 on France's France 3 network and ended its run in November of 2007. It aired in the United States for the first time on Cartoon Network in 2004, which is where I had watched this show. Yeah, same. And that's actually pretty good to be fairly uh, concurrent running with this, only a year behind or so. The show later spawned a live-action CGI series Code Lyoko Evolution, which began at the end of 2012, and a fifth season of 26 episodes premiering December of 2012. Now, for me, I remember the Code Lyoko where it was the traditional animation and then the sort of action-y in-game sequences were the CG 3D. I don't remember ever seeing a live-action CG blend like the new reboot reboot. 
uh, you think they would have learned <laughs> from Code Lyoko? I think I could be wrong, but I think a lot of fans weren't super happy with the idea to go live action, and they appreciated because of the the fervor that came from the fans. They wanted to go back to the original kind of style, the two different animation blends with no live action. So, what what do you remember though? You said you watched it on Cartoon Network. So, what do you remember about it before we dug into tonight's episodes? My my initial memories of this were sort of the the hand drawn and then jumping into a, a CGI, but in, in the CGI world, I remember there not being like a major difference stylistically, mm, which right. would be kind of fun and interesting to talk a little bit more tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I just remember watching this every once in a while as just sort of something that was on. I don't think I paid too close attention to the actual story itself. Exactly. Which means I'm going to have tons of questions tonight. Well, we can answer some of those questions with the synopsis, the kind of general overall idea of the story to begin with. Here we go. So Jeremy, an 11-year-old boy attending boarding school at Caddick Academy, discovers a quantum supercomputer, there you go, in an abandoned factory, of course, near his school. Damn <laughs> All these little asides are definitely just me adding in the of courses and whatnot. <laughs> Upon activating it, he discovers a virtual world called Lyoko with a young girl named Alita trapped inside it. A series of bizarre events begin to occur at Kadic Academy. Kadic, Kadic, I've said it two different ways now. Cat Dick. Cat Dick Academy, nailed it. Jeremy learns of Zana, a malevolent artificial intelligence slash multi-agent system who also dwells within the supercomputer, as you do. Zana's goal, of course, is to destroy Lyoko and conquer the real world and, you know, all human beings in the process. During the early seasons of this show, Jeremy works to materialize Alita into the real world and stop Zana. Jeremy is aided by his three friends named Ad Della Robia, Ulrich Stern, and Yumi Ishiyama, as they are virtualized into Lyoko in order to save both worlds from the sinister virtual re- virtual entity alongside Alita. Hmm. Pretty straightforward stuff, except for all the bizarre quantum supercomputer abandoned factory kind of shenanigans. This sounds like just traditional prep school days. I mean, if it was in Japan, I'd be like, yeah, it wouldn't even bat an eye. Like, that's, or a lash. Like, that's just how it is in, in uh, Japanese boarding. Maybe I need to go to Japanese boarding school. You think I'm too old, though, to go to, like, Cat Dick Academy? Uh, you know what? If you keep calling it Cat Dick, I'm pretty sure you're going to get in with flying colors. Right? <laughs> Perfect. I've already wrote it on all my applications. So, <laughs> that's where we are. I, look, I don't remember any of that story before I read the wiki page tonight, before we watched, <laughs> even when we watched the episodes, I was like, don't know what's happening. Let's just see how this works out. Yeah. A lot of that is not, let's say this before we get into the episode discussions tonight. This series has a prequel series, but that didn't come out until like three years after episodes aired initially. And I think it's not even like a prequel series itself. It's like a special, like a, like a, a mini series or a one-off episode. That explain the discovery of the supercomputer, their first interactions with Alita and Lyoko, and how they learned all this stuff. Because honestly, in season one of this thing, they throw you right into it. And you just kind of have to go along for the ride and figure stuff out as you go. One of the criticisms we'll, we'll let Bobby talk about in our love it and hate it section has to do with that fact. The, the fact that, you know, if you come into this thing in the middle of it, you are lost. We'll talk about the difference between the first episode and the last episode and trying to figure out... Everything that happened in between. But before we do that, gotta start with that theme song. Let's get into it. Yeah. Theme song. This theme song 
was interesting because it, it it's it's a hybrid so we have yeah. some dedicated animation uh which is it's sort of just like the the transitions that we have in between and sort of uh, a couple just additional like cgi graphics kind of overlaid yeah. on top of some of the animation and some like character still frames right. without a roll call, which I thought was kind of irritating. So we do get a visual roll call, but nobody's ever named. Which right. again, you're like you're you're already there. Just put the text on the screen. I, which is funny because they do that later in the series itself during the episodes. Yes. We'll talk about those interstitials where they just randomly use like character cards to flip over and just cut to scenes. It's, they put their names there. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It literally. You bring up the best point about this, Dave, is that it doesn't make any sense for them not to have done the right. roll call in the actual theme song because they're they're doing it throughout the show where they have these like pick moments where they're like, odd, I get it, great, Ulrich, cool, you know, puffy on me. Yeah, what, you're like, I, what I don't get is why you're doing that in episode ninety four when uh, we're we're assuming that people have watched the previous ninety three episode, but they don't do it in the first episode, which drove me crazy. They flipped the card up with the kid in their like CG costume, and they just have Code Lyoko at the bottom. Yeah. I'm like, I know what show I'm watching, right. and if I've seen it once, I've seen it the second time and the fifth time that you did it. But I still don't know who these kids are. I mean, yeah. bold move to dive in and like later in the season and be like, oh my god, I wonder if these characters are memorable at all. I don't know. You've gone 95 fucking episodes with it. It better be. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably more just like an oversight. Just kind of like, eh, we got a lot of characters we never really introduced. We should but, probably put their names on it some But point. they really don't. They've only got a handful of like four characters that are really It's essential. a lot all at once. Sure. It's a lot all at once to begin with. But yeah, two, three episodes in, you're probably fine. Yeah, you, you, could really, you could really dig into that and sort of, you know, give your audience a little bit more information, especially if at some point, I don't know if you're trying to merchandise this or, or, mm -hmm. or sell the appeal or, or even have a kid be able to talk to another kid who's watching it and say, right. hey, you know, that one that looked like the cat thing. Yeah, you know, or have two grown men on a podcast trying to remember who everybody was. It would be really useful to have some kind of role call. Or, or and we'll get into this in kind of the, in the next steps when we talk about animation. If you were just a high level describe these people... And you just said, yeah, the person with the the, the two foot like the two foot tall forehead and the real angular jaw. That is everybody, everybody. in this fucking show. Everybody, they're like brats, like animated brats dolls, <laughs> just like two years late. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's creepy. It's real creepy. They they just well, let's 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 back it up though and go back to the theme so, song because I kind of derailed you. Yeah. Theme song. Visually, it's interesting. As I said, it's a hybrid. Uh, Bummer that you you only get a, a visual roll call for some yeah. reason. I guess somebody found a vocoder or a, a T Pain style app, even though it wasn't iPhone ready then at this point. There, there were no apps at this point. And, yeah. and then and then during this, as they're saying the word Code Lyoko, and and this is L Y O K O, Lyoko. It sounds like they are forgetting to mention particular consonants consonants because <laughs> at one point as dave and i have been chatting about this it sounded like they said code lo o and then code and then like code loco and then code for loco and it got mm -hmm. to the point where i was really confused what we were talking about but they seemed super excited that they had this sort of virtualized uh staticky kind of robot voice running through a vocoder that they could be like I don't, and I, I, you know, I only understand what you're saying because you got it right the first time. 
every subsequent time just sound like you got a little bit more drunk, friend. Now, for me, you know, the first the first time I listened to it, I was like, ah, you know, early 2000s was like a prime time for auto-tune experimentation. It's still <laughs> used heavily today for all kinds of reasons. I actually, I didn't like it at first when I first heard it. The The style of this is very poppy, very kind of like synthy. And then it transitions into the auto-tune kind of vocoder voice style when the visuals actually shift from like a 2D to more of a 3D style. So the second and third time I watched it, I was kind of like, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with this. I like the fact that the audio portion of it matches the kind of visual transition that they're doing. Because okay. I kind of moved from like the real world, quote unquote, to a virtual world where everything's like 3D and it's a little roboticized and it's virtualized and all that. So I was like, that's kind of a, a clever little change. By not doing too much, it's a clever little shift and change to show that there's that divide in this show between the real world and then the world inside a computer game. or Well, a computer system itself where a lot of stuff takes place uh the only thing that i kind of took issue with was that this theme is used a lot in the episodes (laughs) it's like you hear it in the beginning and then it becomes the background music to 90 percent of the show and then when it's not the background music it's just some other weird filler music that is like a really jarring transition if two people are in two different places and they're talking to each other one of them will have this song in the background and the other one will just have like stock music they they picked up for free somewhere and the they don't make any you know distinction between switching between those two styles that was a little jarring but for the most part i thought it was i thought it was fine i didn't mind listening to it you know I, I the one thing that we haven't actually chatted about for this discussion is the actual lyrics that are being said now i had, yeah. I looked up some of the words that they use through here now i don't remember any of them now this this actually is like a full song that they had somebody actually record and perform. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, but then they chopped it down to like 45 seconds? Yeah, it's called A World Without Danger uh, is okay. the, the title theme song for this. And it was originally in French, and then they localized it for an English audience. And when it's like saying, you know, Code Lyoko or Four Loco, there are yeah. like these little like quick snippets or tags that they have that are kind of sung that you cannot no. make any heads or tails of what's being said at this point. And there's there's some good quality uh, YouTube clips out there. There's actually like Code Lyoko English Official, something like that, which I believe is like an official distributor streaming streaming rights for the entire series. So you can find everything on YouTube. Right. The quality is pretty good, but not so good that everything is super clear. <laughs> well, it says, uh, just really quick, it says, Code Lyoko, we will stand alone. Code Lyoko... Be there when you call. Code Lyoko, we will stand real tall. Code Lyoko, stronger after all. Nice, I guess. No, not good. It makes it. I wonder like what the French was. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to pronounce no. any of these things. It just, okay, so the lyrics, it kind of gave you a feeling if you didn't particularly listen to the words, but were just kind of like in with the vibe that was going on. And then the visuals, it kind of gave you the feeling of like all these kids were in together for something. What that was, what they were doing, no clue. No effing idea. But, but yeah, the lyrics themselves are kind of like, they don't really mean anything. It, so- it sounds, one, like they're totally isolated. Two, yeah. it sounds like they're at this computer, this quantum computer's beck and call yeah. of all of this shit that's going on. And then two, it makes the realization of, hey, we're stronger as a group. But they posit in the first line that they that they're going to stand alone, alone. And, and so 
I don't know. It, it's, I think it's lost in translation and uh, not great. Sure. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that great. I would. I would barely give this theme song a passing grade. It's. I think it's acceptable as a theme song. Like it does the bare minimum of its job, and I like. I kind of like the auto tune. If I'm being perfectly honest. Wow. It's no share. Oh. But uh, pretty good. Hmm. Pretty good. Now you know because we we did this you know recently with Neo Yokio. What what's a share song with audio tune that you really like, Dave? It's literally the only that first one that she did. What what was the name of that one? Believe. The Do you believe in life after love? Yeah yeah yeah. Oh. That was like the first auto tuned song, not for just like fixing vocals. That was the first one to like use it as a hook, use it as a selling point. Okay. Because up until that point, auto-tuning had been used to smooth some rough vocals and to like connect some, some notes that maybe the original artist didn't quite hit or just smooth some areas, but it was used sparingly. It was kind of like this little like fix-it function on the, on the audio um, production boards. But then when she came on and they used that, and they were just like, leave it, that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, whoever the producer was was like, I kind of like that, leave that hook in. And then when they played it on the radio, everybody was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> and now it's everywhere. You can't get rid of it. It's like a virus. So. Hey, speaking of rough, let's talk about, Viruses. Let's talk about animation. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, the style is definitely a choice. <laughs> the character design and the style that they, they went with here is definitely a choice. As far as the animation itself goes and the switch to like the 3D animation... I didn't mind it as much. It just wasn't, like, visually, it just wasn't really my style. These kids are all very, like, skinny bodies with big radish heads. <laughs> and they all kind of look the same with just, like, a little bit of variation. Like, one has dark hair, one has blonde hair. One's a girl. <laughs> and another one has, like, glasses. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really do that much to differentiate them. Their personalities are, are they differentiate a little bit. And it's, honestly, other than that, it's just the height. You can tell somebody's age based on their height. Yeah. That's about it. I, what was that cartoon we watched a while back where it was like, adults had no necks, only kids had necks. And you had to, if you became an adult, it was when your head grew directly into your shoulders and you no longer had a neck. Holy crap. I feel like it's the same thing with this show. Because <laughs> the few adults who are in here, like teachers, the principal, and a gym teacher, they don't have any necks. Yeah. But all these kids are running around with bobbleheads. So I don't know. The design choice is a little weird to me. What about you? No, I I feel I, we we've we've made mention of this before. It felt like all of the character design is something that you could have found in my tenth grade chemistry yeah, class doodles. as right. doodles when I started to learn to draw anime like Goku, like radish head characters. They are they're like chibi characters of those though. But they're but they're not though because you know chibi characters you know have like the have a big head and a short body and are like incredibly cute. With like big eyes, I granted these characters do have really big eyes and they have giant yeah, heads big as heads. well. But but you know, as you mentioned, the rest of their bodies are just like little tiny. Everybody's a stick figure. Every yeah. single character is like this skinny beanpole at, that's at this college. I mean, kudos to them. It seems like everybody's getting a lot of physical exercise and they're also eating well. So I mean, that that's <laughs> except for problem. except for Jeremy, who's just sitting in front of his computer like twenty four seven. But even him. Even his character, Jeremy's character, is like dude is just as skinny and has yeah. the same body proportions as everybody else, and he's not doing. No, they're anything. built all the same. Yeah, they're built all the same. They look like so. The chibi character is typically like two heads tall, usually, yeah. 
so their head is one head and their body is the length right. of that head. These guys look like adolescent babies, which are not quite as cute. They're like maybe three or two and a half heads I'd tall. Say three rad- so, I'd say three radishes tall. Three radishes tall. Three they're like three apples tall, like a smurf. Um, they just, they're kind of weird looking. Like if, if you like it, cool. And honestly, when they transition into 3D, it's not much different. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's my biggest qualm that I okay. have with this show is that I, 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 don't, I don't mind the, the 2D drawn animation. I think it's fine. I actually, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. It, it, it's nothing it's nothing revolutionary or groundbreaking i will say that there's a lot of jank every once in a while and don't yeah. even get me started when they try to skateboard in the in the 3d or in the 2D? in the 2d when they try to okay. skateboard or razor scooter in the 2d <laughs> it is nothing but jank it is crazy that they that they can't get somebody like kick flipping off the ground to grind a rail without having like certain keyframe animations just be like nope we're just not going to do that or they're it's like, like we're rocket gonna stop on one for an extended period of time yeah. which but like rocket power was around by this point right they could have just brought those guys over and just been like hey just show us your keyframes and we'll go from there it, it just it seemed like it seemed like for for wanting to relate to a younger audience and be cool right. and hip with what they were doing now watching it as an adult you can see that there are just a lot of tiny little jank imperfections which Honestly, it didn't take me out of the cartoon. I again, no, I was. Fine it didn't bother me. I think it's just funny to kind of note what did kind of throw me off a little bit is that, as we've mentioned, they are virtualizing themselves into a, yes. into a quantum supercomputer, right? And there is literally no change to their character design at all. Now, you think to yourself, in this moment, you know we've seen we've seen reboot and we've seen Bob and Enzo right. and. and and all of these characters, when they when they go in and they reboot, they they have a, a costume change, something that's indicative of the the environment of the game that they're playing, and that that plays into the story, and it's fun. You know, you kind of right. see what they're doing. For this, I don't really understand the rhyme or the reason why they have the certain powers that they do when they virtualize. Not to mention that you think like Ready Player One, which has been exactly. recently out. You know, you have a cool persona. You think any game that you spend time building an avatar and creating your character and getting ready for something, Jeremy, who must have programmed this, must not be a great programmer because he didn't put a lot of time or energy into creating a character or an avatar for these specific characters to use that they can actually be effective in their battle that they're having on this virtual plane. Now, I'm going to counterpoint myself and play devil's advocate right now. Well, let me throw one in there for you in case it's the same thing. Okay. And then you hold on to yours. For me, I always go back to the practical considerations of like the tech at the time, the budget that they had. It's a hell of a lot cheaper to make four or five avatars than just like every time we're in, we can be something different or every time we're in, we can have an upgrade. So I honestly think they probably were just like, "Eh, we're pushing it as it is, which is like keeping these kids somewhat similar. By moving them in here, yeah. I, I actually think that what they could have done was just given them a a standard, you know, new virtualized persona to be in in Code Lyoko in that virtual plane that they could yeah. have been repetitively, you know, so that like Ulrich turns into some ninja assassin, and even then they could have put, you know, sort of like a a shroud or or like a piece of material <clears throat> over his face, so they could have minimized the actual production value that they had right. to spend animating his lips. Right. In this case, I think they didn't go the practical route. I think what they did 
was they said, we're not giving you any frame of reference or a lot of context as to what these kids are doing. So if we just keep yeah. the character design the same, you're going to be able to differentiate one radish head from another radish head from the other radish head to a virtualized girl radish head that then we're going to try to pull into the actual real world and fuck. Yeah, that's what Jeremy's doing, right? More or less. He's trying to... Yeah, it was basically... Uh, what was it? Uh, not Mad Science. What the hell's the name of that? Science. Weird Science. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically Weird yeah, Science. He's trying to Weird Science the shit out of uh, Lita, Lita. Ooh, not literally. I hope that's a hell of a first thing to try. Um, what was interesting, though, in the, in the character designs in the 3D world, like, why was Odd like a little cat character? Again, he's a cat character. He's like a cat He's ninja. a cat character, but on his chest... He has like a dog that looks like it's peeing or pooping onto something. <laughs> I, I don't know. <sighs> but it was like there was like Yumi was like a, a a a ninja. She had like a fan that she could throw or something like that. Like they were kind of lazy. I, I don't even know what Ulrich was supposed to be. He's just a ninja, just a katana-wielding ninja. Yeah. And everybody had, like, they had little cool, like, I don't know, arrows that shot out, or they could do, like, energy blasts or anything. But even those were pretty basic. I'm going to go with the fact that Jeremy's probably not super great at programming a supercomputer, quantum computer yet. And uh, I love that he only ever threw his friends in there, though. I don't think he ever went in himself, or if he did, we didn't see those episodes. He's just like, yeah, I, no, I totally got this from out here. You guys will be fine fighting all these <laughs> monsters that are trying to kill you. And, I, I, you know, I think the challenge with the whole virtualized game world that I have in general is that it didn't really seem like there were any stakes. They go in to fight Xana, no. and then they die, right. and then they just materialize back into the real world, like game over. Yeah. But you never really find out if there's a refractory period where they can enter back in. I mean, they could literally get derezzed and then jump back into that chamber and go back right. into the game world without any consequences. Which, again, is different from Reboot, where if they were actually playing the game, they had to beat right. the user, or they would have been turned into nulls, and that whole sector would have been nullified. Yes. Which was a big plot point, and it actually added some stakes to it. And we'll get into this in kind of the plots, because a lot of times, like, this show, for me, it didn't really have a good hook. It didn't have a strong central premise of what exactly was going on, or what they were trying to do, Did have other than the very basic. Well, I mean, other than the basic, we're good guys, they're bad guys, let's defeat them and prevent them from doing the thing they want to do. Beyond that, you know, we saw it in Reboot, we got it in Tron. I don't know. There just wasn't much more to it than that. I mean, I read Ready Player One, I didn't see the movie, but that kind of had a sort of similar, you know, there, there, seemed, to be, there seemed to be stakes as a race to get a prize. And this, it didn't really seem like there was a prize, it was, let's write a an antivirus program that gets rid of yeah. what the problem is. Yeah, let me take 95 episodes, 94, I guess, to write this program and then get enough juice to run it. And that's, But in the meanwhile, just uh, fend these things off as we go. I don't know. It just yeah. it was never really that strong. And I don't know how much of that was lost in translation or what. But Real quick, you know. pro tip, Jeremy, just go download Norton. I, I don't understand. You can't go online without Norton trying to sell you some antivirus shit, buddy. Quantum Norton. Quantum Norton. Corton. Corton. Damn it, you beat me to it. Just like just like in Fallout. It'll probably be in Fallout 6. Corton <laughs> antivirus. Antivirus. You heard it here first. Um, honestly, nothing else for me for animation style, except sometimes there were some cool things kind of in the background, like Jeremy's dorm slash bedroom uh, has like an Albert Einstein poster, and they call him Einstein. There's just cute little things that are kind of like scattered throughout, but for the most part, it's not super detailed. It's 
it's pretty basic. Pretty basic. Yeah. I did like their little character interstitials when they were like in character poses and they looked like they were on like their own little trading cards almost. Right. And they actually showed so, their names, which was helpful. So yeah. from your character interstitial, because we're about to get into it, what was the what what characters really kind of stood out to you? Uh, I mean, probably Alita did at first, just because she was the only one that was slightly different, because mm-hmm. weird science. Um, <laughs> sponsored by... Spunkly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only because the only interesting thing about that was much like, do you remember Andrea or Andrea from Reboot? Mm-hmm. She was like an AI, I thought she was going to be like an AI character, not just a person who was trapped inside the computer. I thought she was going to be like a sprite, like an avatar, like... Uh, an embodiment of this computer. What's so weird is that the new reboot, reboot, and this are like becoming more similar in my mind now, because they did the same thing on the reboot, reboot. There was um an avatar that like ran the reboot program in this new series, and then because they ran out of money, I guess to like animate her CG character all the time, they just pulled her into real life and used a live action person to play this AI character. Yeah, is it weird? Is it weird that Reboot was first, and then it feels like right. Code Lyoko borrowed some Everything. crappy pieces, and then yes. with the reboot of Reboot, it reached back to Code Lyoko and was like, what didn't really work and was lazy? Let's pull it into <laughs> Let's this do live that. action. Yeah. Oh, not good, guys. Not good friends. Yeah, but honestly, that's the only reason Alita kind of stood out was because there was something different about her. She was trapped in the computer. That was it. Um, I did kind of like Odd's design only because he was like a weird dog poop and cat fighter just like all right that's weird you got a weird thing going on Let's see what you're up to but everybody else was nondescript i don't you know i couldn't separate them out how about you yeah. i mean we we find out that there's another character later that it gets to be virtualized in in the world named william yeah uh lo and behold he's pretty much identical to ulrich in terms of what he has he's got a giant yeah. sword and that's that's it He's, they even dress like similarly. Like there were a couple times where they'd show up uh, in two D, and I was just like, "Wait, which one? Who is this now? Who are we talking I, to?" I really, I really perhaps again, like it was because yeah. it was based on height. It was it yes, was somebody was slightly taller than the other person. Yeah, and had a more emo looking, yes. you know, ten ten finger forehead, <laughs> and like a fake nine inch nail shirt. Um, the other thing, the real like detriment for the show is that I never get a good sense of what Xana is like again on reboot i hate to keep going back to it but on reboot you know megabyte you know hexadecimal you know hack and slash you know pretty much everybody who is a villain they're very obvious yeah you know you xana i have no clue like at one point we see kind of this like weird genie smoke creature come out of a person with an x on their chest and i'm like well i guess that's the thing or not an x they have these they have these weird little like target symbols which okay Villains, listen up here, guys. If you're designing henchmen or creatures, pro tip for you, much like the Putty Patrol, please don't put their weakness behind like a target that you can just punch and they get immediately destroyed. Pulling out the whole Saban Levy Levy argument right Yes. Now? All right. Yeah. Yeah, the Shuki Levy. Putty Patrol, oh, we have this, this cleverly designed circle that you just punch and they explode into pieces of, of putty and clay. Much like, uh, much like that, in Code Lyoko, there's these little creatures that have little target symbols on them, and all you gotta do is punch them, or stab them, or shoot them, and those things, and they just disintegrate. Stop it. Even the guy at the end, even Xana at the end, had that. It's like, why would you do that to? He had a giant, he had a giant target. <laughs> you just saw yeah, literally. 
it was All it. you got to do is hit it. Right there. Uh, Target practice. But but again, like you don't get a good sense of what Santa is. It you learn over the course of time that it was a, a, a mil, like a program that was initially created um, by Alita's father, programmer, who used to work for like a military contractor, and he was trying to undo the work that he did for a military program by creating Xana, but then Xana kind of went rogue, trapped him and his daughter in the system, and now is trying to take over the world. So this guy, real shitty programmer, by the way, because he done fucked up twice. <laughs> and by the end of this series, doesn't super redeem himself. Spoiler alert. But I don't even get a good sense of him other than like a glowing crystal ball. Yeah. There's just, I don't know, man. There's just not enough here in this show to give me like a good foundation to pull from. Everybody's like half baked. The plot is kind of like an afterthought. Go ahead. This show does a great job of simultaneously feeling like they're giving things too much space that's unnecessary yeah. and yeah. not sometimes enough, literally right yeah. and not enough space to the things that actually matter in this right. show. And so, I, I guess case in point for for the final episode, I think if you go back and you were to time it. The things that actually matter take up a fourth of that episode, and it happens yeah. at such a high velocity, and it has yeah. such high stakes. But, and then but, it just ends. But you're not privy to what those stakes are. So to you as a viewer, it doesn't matter. You don't care. Right. Because suddenly, it's the same kind of cookie-cutter, serialized, Code Lyoko bullshit where, oh, no, you got to get at the beck and call of this quantum computer. Cool. Everybody, yeah. virtualize. And then the virtualization process that you've seen over 94 episodes fills up more time than people to, to go through the entire Mighty Morphin process. It, it's, yeah. it's bonkers. And at one point, I, I kid you not, they do all the guys. They do the two dudes who are getting virtualized. And then yep. Jeremy's like, okay, next up, the girls virtualized. Yep. And it's the same bullshit same, with them. Same animation. Yeah, I think it's because I think he writes a code for like multiple. I don't know what the bullshit was, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they only had two scanners, two 3D printers they could use at a time, I guess, <laughs> to get people in there. Dudes first. Uh, that again, practically, it's like an animation, like a time saving, a money saving thing. I'm okay with that because we've seen cartoons do that before. I'm okay with that if everything else is solid. If you've got a strong story with strong okay. characters. I, I will forgive reusing animation like that. Um, you know, it's like a Ben 10 thing. Every time he turns into a different alien character, whatever, they'll reuse an animation. Or literally any, yeah, Power Rangers is a great example. Yeah. But, and we're kind of alone in this. There's a ton of people out there who love Code Lyoko, and they love the character relationships, and they love the kind of drama between the friends and the things they've built along the way. And we're not going to be able to do that in one episode or give that, you know, do that justice. But for the things that we watch, man, I mean... The weaknesses are pretty apparent. <laughs> are there any other characters who stood out to you for one reason or another? There was one, Good or bad. There was one other character that stood was it out Sissy? to me. It was Sissy. It was 100% Sissy. Had to be Sissy. It had to be she's Sissy. She's the only one that has like actual character to her. because she's, she's a bitch, the one that but actually she has, has character. actual shit going on. Right. She actually has a deal. Sissy is the, the daughter of the, the principal at right. Catech Academy. Yeah. And she's... Very prim, very proper. She's got a real attitude for a tween, and she wants to let everybody know about it. And, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's just 
she actually has a deal. She actually has a want. She's interested in Ulrich, the, right. the character that's there. She's interested in potentially dating him. And so she's a little bit frustrated at the fact that in this first episode, we find out that Ulrich is actually going with Yumi to the, to the dance that they have. You want to just dive into this Sounds one? Sounds like a good time to, to dive right in. So, can I can I give kind of like a an overall yeah, plot it. synopsis of what happens, and then we can hit kind of the weird points or ask questions? No, 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 get into it before I talk about the fact that this is basically just an aggregation of reboot, bad pepper and drama, and art from a childhood chemistry notebook, <laughs> and like some creepy voyeuristic stuff too. Oh yeah, uh, there is. So we're talking we're talking Teddy Godzilla, right? Yeah, Teddy Godzilla. The so Teddy Godzilla first episode of this show ever yeah. to introduce you to it. Here's essentially what happens, so stick with me, it's pretty short. When Ulrich initially rejects a younger student who asks him to go to the prom, Xana infects her teddy bear, brings it to life, also stalks Sissy in a super creepy way, makes it grow to a giant size, and sends it to terrorize the town. He makes the uh, teddy meanwhile, bear grow. The teddy bear grow, not Sissy. Giant teddy bear, Teddy Godzilla. Uh, Alita and Odd are able to find the infected tower. They do this by traveling into the games, the virtual system itself, and looking for kind of like a virus-stricken tower that's not acting right. Uh, they can find this in Lyoko, and they neutralize it, which somehow resets time. We're still not 100% sure how that works or why, but once they reset time, Ulrich then agrees to go to the dance with the younger girl who asks him, apparently resetting everything and not causing a giant teddy bear to run amok. I have a lot of questions. Uh, too many questions. Too many questions for this because we're turning, we're shutting down this podcast and we're turning this yeah. into a Code Lyoko time travel podcast. Son of a bitch. Yep. You gotta run these things by me first. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I did in another time. Um, <laughs> before we get into creepy stuff, what is the moral of this story exactly? Is it that you should just agree to do whatever people ask you to do so that nobody feels bad? Like, what... Is, what are they trying to say here? Yeah, no, there, there is no moral because with the hard no. reset that they have at the very end of this, right. again, again, this is a show with no consequences and, and virtually, and I don't say that wah, wah, yeah, I don't wah. say that lightly, there are virtually absolutely no stakes or consequences to any of the actions that these people go through. It's like, yeah, if you fuck up in the virtual world and get stepped on by a colossal monster, you're fine. You just pop back out of the Easy Bake Oven and go back in in a little bit. <laughs> if you fuck up in the real the human, world... The human fax machine. Yeah, the human fax machine, like, from, from the fly. Um, <laughs> if you fuck up in the real world, they just reset time, somehow. I still don't know how that works. I still don't get it. I gotta tell you what, though. I love that underground bunker base. It made me, like, when he popped that... Uh, Later on, when he pops that lid off the one out in the park and climbs down that like uh, silo <laughs> to get into their underground bunker, I was like, I want to make one of these. This is pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole buildup to getting to the base where the quantum computer yeah. is, is very... They call it the factory, I think, factory, right? Factory, thank you. Because so it's the, the abandoned factory, factory yeah. yeah. The abandoned factory right next to the Cat Academy, you know. It's yeah, the, that no one's fancy, ever going to look at. It's the fancy boarding school that's in that industrial neighborhood next to abandoned <laughs> factories and woodworkers. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the whole process of getting down into the base is very Batman-esque. Yes. So, yeah, it's a cool sequence, and they do use that a, a few times. You know, that's reused, but I like it. Or, or even, I'll say, like, Voltron-esque, where, you know, you're, you're 
holding on to like the the glider and it's spiraling down yeah, and then you drop into a slide and then the slide spits you out into like a, a a volcano and then the volcano shuttle takes you to the lion and you're like i got the red line it sounds like he's making all this up but that's literally like what happens that's actually how <laughs> you have to go through like the core of the earth yeah yeah <laughs> but with this it's it's interesting because you know they uh what was it they they like pop open a a manhole cover. They go down in. They had like two different ways to get to it. One was like the yeah the manhole cover in the park that they could climb down uh, ladders. Another one was like a weird way through like the school and before it's gentrified and turned into condos, they would go through the factory and try to go through like a back door that like occasionally would just not open yeah. or like one time would not open for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, they made that plot. But, they but made I that like plot that. It's really known the thing preventing them from getting yes, to the factory after ninety four episodes. Well, they they go yeah. through like. They go through like a sewer at one point, right? And then, uh, like, they on a skateboard or a razor scooter, they very nice because they were like, yes, because they were like, we saw the Ninja Turtles do it, so we're gonna do the same thing. So they '90s style mode of transportation through a sewer, and then they they get into this factory where then they like they climb up a set of stairs, and then they're at the top of this building, and they take like a wire and they swing down, and then there's an elevator, and they hit the down button, which is the only button that seems to be on the elevator, which is confusing because then how do you get back up? But they hit this button and it brings them all the way down to where this massive control center was, which makes me think right. to myself, what the fuck is the security that this factory had in <laughs> that just random kids can wander into a fucking quantum supercomputing lab? <laughs> we got to watch the prequels. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm just gonna no, make, I think we're going to pass on that. Whatever their BS justification is going to be, it's never going to satisfy me, Dave. What's funny, though, is like that's not even the, that's not the creepy part. That's just like the lazy part that we don't understand. The creepy part. When this little girl kind of gets embarrassed, I say little, she's probably like 9 or 10, I guess. I don't understand how the age ranges work at this school. It's weird. I don't know why they're going to prom at 11 years old, but whatever. When the younger girl is embarrassed by, uh, by the older girl, she gets super embarrassed. She yells at her friend. She just, like, runs away. And uh, her teddy bear somehow gets infected by Xana. Well, she leaves it in the... I, the I still don't under, understand how Xana works. She can, like, or it can, like, uh, infect anything and everything, whether it's organic, whether it's connected to the internet, whether it's a human, <laughs> like, anything goes. So she infects a teddy bear... But before she makes it giant, she makes it into like a creepy perv stalking stealth bear and goes to yeah, keep an eye on creep, Sissy the for some reason. on Sissy and makes for an uncomfortable minute worth of animation where you have this tween girl getting ready for a party and it's just not good. No, it was, uh, it was very bad. <laughs> it was like the predator was stalking her while she's like literally undressing, getting ready for bed getting ready to take a shower or whatever and then just kind of like creeping around the room it's just like unnecessary and then later on when we got to the the final episode there's a sequence where you watch the camera just kind of follow alita who's now in the real world just like go take a shower no dialogue just like let's just go see her take a shower i was just like all right this isn't japanese animation but some some still i mean in the first episode here, yeah. there's an entire portion where yumi goes home to take a bath to get ready for the prom and they follow her and you see her take a bath oh yeah oh that's right i forgot about that yeah, yeah same kind of thing it's, and it's kind of like okay maybe we're being prude americans it's not a big deal because they're not like you know they're not showing anything but it's just uh, it's a little pervy like 
Why would you focus on that and not actual story development or, or character yeah, development? You're, you're, you're ringing the bell on that one, Dave, because it goes back to the point that I, I, I made a couple minutes ago, is that this show is giving so much time and so much room to shit that doesn't matter. You know, Chrissy being creeped on by Xanabear had no no tangible tie into the rest of the story. Yumi taking a shower kind of, or a bath kind of had a little bit, but Alita taking a shower, that that didn't make any sense either, you know? Other than just no, there's no sure the routine. Like, it's, you know, I'll say this, that final episode, or that episode 94, the, almost the entire first part of the episode is Alita waking up and taking a shower, which I'm like, how did she get into this academy in the first place she's not real then it's everybody skateboarding and like doing a bunch of stuff finally getting there there's three minutes worth of virtualization which leaves you with about maybe four minutes of story that they have in the virtualized world before they like right. before they they beat the big bad and i don't know i just none of it was connecting with me no, I mean, it didn't. That's kind of the main thing, is that none of it really connects, and there's not really any story. And I honestly don't even remember, with, like, Teddy Godzilla, all they had to do was just go in and, like, shut one of these nodes down, and that was about the end of it. I, even, even with Teddy Bear Godzilla, how do they even, how do they even beat... Because, because, again, this is the challenging thing, is that you're led to believe that they fight Xana in a virtual world in this Code Lyoko plane. And then suddenly, Xana is in the real world, and he is affecting other people's lives, and he's trying to terrorize them with a giant teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, they, they, they beat him in the virtual world, you know, which simultaneously freezes the teddy bear, and then they reset time. Yeah. 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 Like you know, I don't know, man. It was just I, I checked out of it so many times because it was just like there's nothing, there's no point to any of this. Like it's cool to watch, but there's just no point to any of it. I mean, I, I even the finale. So we we also watched the fight to the finish, which is the penultimate episode, and that's essentially when they like go in the supercomputer and upload what's essentially like a virus to wipe out Xana and reset everything and save everybody. Even that was like. Like, okay, maybe if I'd watched the 93 episodes in between, it would have actually, like, meant something and felt like something. But it was kind of just so unclear what was even happening. Uh, it just, I don't know. And then everything just kind of ended. The fact that, spoiler alert, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that as a cliffhanger. No, no, I mean, I think the, the challenging portion of all of this that you're talking about, Dave, is that everybody else, Alita, Odd, Yumi, Ulrich, and even William had no idea what was going on until all of a sudden Jeremy is like, hey, here's how we can beat Xana. Nobody else knew what that was until 17 minutes yeah. into that last episode when he springs the biggest deus ex machina on the, the rest of the team that they've been fighting with. He's like, guys, but you have to hold them off because then I can upload the virus. Like the antivirus. Which is, which is, which the password for the virus is code Leoka. <laughs> It was like if my ass was waiting ninety four episodes just to get to that punchline, like. Ugh. But that's the that's the code that that Alita enters into every like one of those towers that they secure. She goes right. in, she puts her handprint on it, and then it comes up, and she types the password. They're like, 
code. And she's like, Lyoko, enter. And then that's it. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe come up with some type of uh, automation tool that just plugs in a password for you every once in a while. Like, that seems like a pretty easy fix. That's probably a better... Well, I mean, again, he's an 11-year-old kid. He's wasted the last two years of his life uh, dicking around, sending his friends into mortal peril, so... That has a consequence, whether or not there's no actual mortal peril. He's just sending, he's just here's the only way. Yeah. Here's the only kind of consequence that they had at the end was Alita's father, who at this point was just like a floating ball of light. uh, Gives and like sacrifices himself, kind of gives them enough power to like run this program, which I don't think that that's how things work. And then dives into like. A, a virtual sea and just disappears. It was like Ghost Rider if he like sacrificed himself at the end of this thing and just like <laughs> peaced out, but was also somebody's dad. You know what I mean? Like it's such such a weird ending. So everybody's super sad at the end of this episode, but by the end of the the full series or at least the original ninety five episodes, they just kind of close up shop. They're like, hey, so we're shutting down the supercomputer, and they're all like, yep. And then they're like, all right, cool. And then the gym teacher catches him in the woods, and he's like. Make sure to beat kids a little longer because I'm an adult and I hate it. They're like, you're an adult? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. And that's the end of the series. Like, that's it. Roll credits. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just like, it's a cool idea. It was just half-baked to me. Overall. It, it, it was abrupt. It was abrupt. Kind of my sum up. I didn't feel any weight. Deep sigh. Oh, this show. Well, hey. Before we get into our final thoughts and recommendations on this, hey, you listening. Yeah, that's right. You listening right now. Turns out you have some thoughts, and you share them online. And we want to turn this over to our longtime listener and buddy, Bobby Anthem, for a little segment that we like to call Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. Our Love It This Week was written by Grockbuster on October 1st, 2004. The post is titled, Shakespeare in a Video Game, and it says, Code Lyoko is an action-adventure show that goes further than action and adventure. It goes beyond a group of good guys fighting attacks from bad guys. The good guys are complex, flawed characters who have feelings beyond, Yo, Joe, let's get them. The minor bad guys have their own feelings and complexities and can be sympathized with at times. Although they are usually real little horrors who usually get their comeuppance at the hands of the good guys. There's one true bad guy without virtues and one good guy without any real vices, but that's excusable since neither of them is human. The dialogue is hilarious. The verbal battles between Odd and Sissy are sophisticated to an almost Shakespearean degree. Sissy's monologues are the only soliloquies I have ever seen and heard in a cartoon show. There are an amazing number of goofs in the show, and a lot of stock scenes are reused, but this does not really detract from the enjoyment of the show. All-out action fans will hate this show because it's not all-out action. What it is, however, is a refreshing change and hopefully a pointer for the future. And Our Hated was written by E.J. Thestral One on December 14th, 2005, in a post titled, Meh. E.J. said, 
Well, it's nice to see animation from somewhere other than America or Japan, but aside from that, the show is disappointing. The plot is wonderful, but you can't get it unless you watch the show from the beginning. Those coming into the series after it is underway will end up being incredibly confused, as what the characters are doing and why they are doing it is never rehashed. Although that is great as far as avoiding annoying filler material, it also makes it necessary for would-be watchers to research the premise for the show online if they want to understand it. A big turnoff. The animation style gets high marks as far as technique is concerned. It's smooth and the shots are set up well. Unfortunately, it bombs in style. The drawings look like bad attempts at anime. The 3D scenes are nicely rendered, but just look like shots from a well-done video game. Nothing we're not used to seeing. The characters themselves also bomb as far as personality goes. They generally come off as being naive at best and annoyingly wishy-washy at worst, with Aelita topping the list as a pathetic damsel in distress. All in all, the show is an acquired taste, and even then hard to digest. Ooh. I did not realize that Shakespeare uh, made a video game. That's a revelation. Something I didn't know. He didn't. It was called Code Lyoko. Dave, what is your recommendation for Code Lyoko? You know, I, I really can't recommend it. <laughs> I don't think it's bad <laughs> enough to get the dip. But it's just... I this is one of the weird ones that I like remembered I thought was cooler than it actually was. Uh, and then watching it today I was just kind of like, no, nah, there's just not enough here to really like A to recommend or B to invest more time in checking out. Hey, if if I'm wrong out there and if Sean's about to be wrong, listeners, let us know because if you have we even watched the first episode but also like the highest rated episode by the way. So, yeah. We didn't just like pick random trash episodes. We picked the best of the best that we could find <laughs> and uh, and watch those and honestly like found it lacking. So if you disagree, be sure to let us know. But it's a not recommend but not dip from me. Sean, what about you? I'm going to go with the same thing. I am not going to recommend this. I'm not going to dip this either. This is definitely a show that I remember watching. I remember thinking, this is fine. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. Going back and watching it tonight, I just, I don't think that there's any, there was no weight to this. I, I, I don't really, I love the fact when you watch a cartoon and they drop you in right in the middle of the action because, you know, you, you have an opportunity to kind of explore and discover history and things that have happened right. to those, those particular characters over a course of time that has a payoff and makes you understand them in a new and interesting way. For this, it felt like it just threw you into the deep end and was like, we are never going to fill in any of this backstory or any reason that you should actually care about it. Plus, the threat's not real. There are literally no stakes because we can just reset time. And right. if you die in the virtual world, there's no actual mistake. Like, there's no problem with it. You're just going to come right back to life anyway. So, Unless you're a dad. It... it, it, it I, I wish that it had more of a punch. I wish that it had more of an impact because I, I like the idea. I even, as I mentioned, I even like these radish head kids designs. It's fine. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay They're with fine. it. You know, 
even even the theme song is is okay. I'm cool with that. I just you know the the characters just seem to be really one dimensional for me, and then the plot seems to just not give a shit about the direction that this was yeah, going. Yeah, and honestly, in. you can't you can't really do much with that if the show's not going to make the effort. Then why would you put the effort in to watch it? So. Thanks, Andrew, for your recommendation. It was it was cool to go back and check this one out again. Just I don't think it was for us. Again, you guys get a chance to let us know what you think and why we should maybe give it another chance. So if you've got favorite episodes, favorite moments, be sure to let us know. Go to Leoko before we shut this quantum computer down. In the meantime, Sean, buddy. Elite. What do you got going on out there in the real world, not the virtual world? Oh, guys, as always, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater, and you can find tickets and times witdc.org. And you can find me on Twitter and the virtual Instagrams at Sean Paul Ellis. Did you say Twinstagrams? Oh, I should have. No, I said I said. You should uh, just combine those virtual, two. Virtual Instagrams. I should have said, like, you could just find me virtually at Sean Paul Ellis. Where can we find your virtual pets? My, you can find my Neopets at... Yeah, Neopets, your Tamagotchis. Find me uh, you can at find at me on Twitter at DrClawMD. <laughs> you can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. For more on this little show right here, we'd love it if you'd head on over to Patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. And as our very, very smart and eagle-eyed Facebook readers have noticed, yes, that's morning with a U because we love puns. And also because Saturday morning without a U was taken. So we'd love it if you head on over to our Patreon page, and I'll give you all kinds of info on how you can help support the show. You can also head to SaturdayMorningCartoons.com, follow us on Twitter at MorningTunes, take a look at Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page, keep that conversation going on Facebook, and listen to our free audio podcast each and every week on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and now Spotify. You can reach out to us and tell us how great Code Lyoko is and how dumb-dumb we are. Saturday morning cartoons at gmail.com. I think it's going to wrap it up for this installment of Listener Suggestion and Appreciation Month, but we got more coming. But you can't find out what it is unless you go to that Patreon, and we love you for it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to virtualize and scan Sean out of the podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Reboot. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.